Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to Mining Stock Daily. This is Trevor Hall. Uh, we are kind of kicking off our week with some market commentary, joined by our friend Chris Temple from The National Investor. Uh, Chris, good morning to you. Good morning, Trevor. How are you? I'm doing just fine, thank you. Had a nice, relaxing weekend and took the kids fishing and spent a lot of time outside. So that was, that was oh, cool. well-deserved. So, uh, Chris, uh, we're just going to take a real kind of glance at the week ahead. Some interesting things happening as far as the Fed meeting taking place uh, tomorrow and Wednesday. Um, is there anything, you know, other than that we should be looking forward to or keeping an eye on as, uh, you know, with the Fed meeting, but also obviously the overall markets here in the United States still continue to gain momentum, reaching all-time highs on the NASDAQ intraday, actually? Yeah, I don't think that we're going to hear anything necessarily new from the Fed. The, the suggestion has been made, Trevor, that especially given how quickly things seem to be bouncing back, especially for financial assets that the Fed may suggest that it could actually start to curtail some of its uh, different programs they've trotted out in the recent past to prop up every every market and its brother. But I, I don't see them doing that. I think that they're of a mindset as they were a year ago when we had a few so-called insurance rate cuts to the federal funds rate because of all the uncertainty uh, over the U.S. and China trade war, new cold war, whatever you want to call it. And yet, by the time December came along and this trade war supposedly uh, had a ceasefire called in it from that cockamamie phase one deal that uh, the, the U.S. and China agreed to, did the Fed say that it was going to take back any of those rate cuts? No. Of course they didn't. And they're not about to take back anything now. I mean, the stock market could go up 25% more and they're not going to take back anything because they need all of this financial alchemy and all of this artificial wealth effect to keep us from going down into a deflationary abyss. So they'll tell us they're on hold. They'll tell us things look good. Uh, they'll tell us that they want to see more evidence that the economy really is back on its feet before they change their mind. Uh, it's now come out, even by the Bureau of Labor Statistics itself admitting it, that last week's supposedly wonderful employment report, which the market rallied 800 plus points on on a Dow, was a major mistake. And the unemployment rate should have been reported as about 3% higher. But that doesn't bother the bulls right now. Chris, I want to ask you uh, about the dollar. And this was something I, I wanted to ask you about last week, just didn't make it happen. But obviously we saw, oh my goodness, what, uh, nine out of 10 days or something like that in the red. I mean, it's really been selling off this morning, trading below 97. It's at 96.74 on the DXY. Uh, you and I have continued to have this conversation over the last couple of months about the strength of the dollar. Uh, with its weakening now, is there any reason to be concerned? Well, I don't know about reason to be concerned, Trevor. As a matter of fact, as far as the dollar is concerned, what the markets the world over need and want is for a sustained decline in the dollar. Because as I've described many a time, the stronger dollar is hurting commodity prices. It's acutely hurting emerging markets that have all 
all different kinds of dollar-denominated debts that they can't even service anymore. The strong dollar makes them even worse. So this bears watching. Uh, you know, I, I, as far as anything negative is, is concerned, the weakness in the dollar right now comes basically from two things. Number one, the increased risk on attitude. So you've got money coming out of the dollar. You've got money that has come out of Treasury securities with the move back up in yields on, on those instruments. To a lesser extent, it explains gold's decline because those all to one extent or another were risk off assets. Uh, they were places where traders were taking refuge. So with the stock market's crazy rally accelerating, it makes perfect sense the dollar would decline. So that's number one. Number two. The European that they were going to throw even more money into fixing their problems, and in a lesson to those who still insist that the dollar or any currency would be going down a toilet for all this money printing, what happened to the euro when the ECB kind of surprised people with how much money they're going to add to their bond buying and so forth? The euro was screaming higher. Because markets don't care about sound currencies. Markets care about whether currencies are going to be around to begin with and whether economies are going to be around to begin with. So this new measure the ECB announced actually caused the euro to, to go up. So there again, in the second part to the dollar's decline of late, Trevor, it's been more a story of euro strength than dollar weakness. All of that said, the dollar index is now down to the bottom area of a two-year uptrending channel. And if it were to break through that decisively for more than a day or two, like that aberration we saw in March, then you're going to find me more interested in copper and silver and cyclicals. Oh, it's interesting you say that. And I do want to go back to, go back to the dollar here, Chris. But uh, you did mention copper. I mean, that has been in a bullish trend for the last couple of weeks. And it's really continues to move trading at $2.56. Uh, cents a pound right now and uh, even the copper miners have seen a great bid uh, sometimes outperforming the gold and silver stocks well look if we have the healthiest environment imaginable and we go back to a time like we had from roughly 2002 to 2007 and 8 but for different reasons you would see gold bring up the rear while the cyclicals, the base metals, stocks and stuff, which have been laggard for so long, finally catch a bid. So for those who today would be chasing copper higher, which frankly, I mean, yeah, you've had, you've had a nice move for the last several weeks. But if you look at a long-term chart, it is still about the ugliest thing you can imagine. And we need to really get above 260 or so a pound with some authority to, to break uh, a resistance level, which for quite a while had been support in 250 to 260. So if you believe that the central banks really have vanquished deflation, there aren't going to be any shoes to drop in Hong Kong or China as far as deflation and financial crises are concerned. The new Cold War heating up recently between the U.S. and China is going to be all bark and little bite. Uh, and, you know, we, we don't see a relapse of the, the virus sufficient where some people are trying to shut the economy down again. And all, all of those things are in play and the dollar finally is rolling over for good. Then, yeah, I'll be I'll be advocating copper and iron ore and silver and a lot of stuff. Um, but I, for one, still have a little bit of skepticism and I want to see the market 
vindicate a little bit more. I'd rather be a little bit late into these rallies if they're going to have a long way to go later than get whipsawed. Yeah, absolutely. I understand that, uh, Chris. Uh, now, moving back, and you did mention China, and this was an idea kind of stemming from our last conversation I wanted to kind of further expand upon uh, today uh, for just a, a just a moment. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you and I had a really long conversation about the dollar and the fiat system and kind of what it kind of means in general, obviously, a 30 minute conversation isn't enough time to put it all in context, but <laughs> you did, you did mention China. Uh, since that last conversation, Chris, we have seen more escalation for a Chinese full integration of Hong Kong. Uh, it has been drowned in the media here in the United States because of our own civil unrest and upheaval, obviously. Uh, but it should, it shouldn't go unnoticed. So the the idea of this came from a conversation I had with Samson Lee, who's a, a colleague based in Hong Kong. In an interview a couple of weeks ago, he mentioned that full integration of Chinese authority into Hong Kong would be would be devastating for the dollar because the next step would be basically removing Hong Kong from the dollar currency system. Now. If that does you do you share the same concern? And if that does happen, what would likely be next? Would would something like Singapore then be leveraged to do something similar? And is that the first step of many to really removing the global standard from the U.S. dollar? Well, look, near term, Trevor, I would take pretty much the opposite position. With all due respect to Samson Lee, um, look. There are things by definition that will have to change for Western banks and institutions that operate in Hong Kong if this government in the U.S. changes officially the status of Hong Kong. It will, it will by operation of law, cause divestment of a lot of money from Hong Kong. And when you consider that to begin with, Hong Kong is the most leveraged financial capital on the planet. I see exactly the opposite. And this is especially the case, Trevor, if President Trump and the deep state slash military state behind him, which on this issue, really want to cripple China. I mean, it's not going to bother them at all if they caused a deflationary and debt crisis in China, especially now over Hong Kong, because their agenda is not markets. They don't give a rat's rear end one way or the other over the dollar like a lot of you know, gold bugs and, and, and broader generalist investors do. They do not want China emerging as, as an even stronger strategic and economic adversary of the U.S. and the world. So keep in mind that we have five months, just under five months now, to an election in which President Trump has as one of his strongest issues to run on. The fact that he, not Sleepy Joe and, and the president Sleepy Joe worked for in that whole narrative, he was the first one in a long, long time to stand up to China on behalf of American companies, America's security, American workers, etc. So there is going to be an incentive to turn up the rhetoric against China and Hong Kong uh, uh, on a variety of fronts, including what and, and I don't live there, so I don't know how everybody on the street takes it, but certainly this country's narrative is that China essentially violated its deal with, with the UK. 
uh, this, you know, the one, one nation, two systems kind of thing. So it'll be interesting. And again, this is what I commented on a few minutes ago is one of the key determinants still over whether these risk on rallies are going to last or get torpedoed because will there be bite when it comes to the new cold war with China ratcheting up because the threat has already been made to start to delist Chinese companies from U.S. exchanges. Uh, the president has given the proper agencies two months to come up with uh, their game plan for how and when they're going to enforce uh, these restrictions on Chinese companies that don't report the way we want them to report and so forth. But again, the big thing is is Hong Kong, and there is bipartisan support on Capitol Hill to punish China over a variety of things going into Hong Kong as they are now being one of them, and there's Democrat and Republican support alike. So, you know, if they were to go so far, Trevor, as to reclassify Hong Kong, and and again by operation of law, cause divestment, cause trade with Hong Kong and everything to change, you will see the U.S. dollar, at least for a while, scream higher when everybody's running for the hills over there. So long-term, uh, after some such a thing as that, will there be a move uh, with China and Hong Kong when they settle all of this out, however it happens, it may not be pretty, that they will be able to go it alone, especially Hong Kong away from the dollar? Quite possibly. But near term, no. If there is a crisis over Hong Kong, the U.S. dollar will scream higher and everything else is going to get hurt. That's how I see it. Okay. Uh, Chris, one last comment. I want to ask you about the jobs report on Friday. It was interesting. Um, I, I kind of heard arguments on both sides of the table. I mean, obviously, it's kind of come out that those numbers were inflated. Uh, even the mainstream media, <laughs> maybe uh, a couple days too late, uh, should have reported this on Friday morning after the numbers, but finally came out and, and described how these numbers were inflated. But on the other side, we are seeing an economy open up. We are seeing blue-collar jobs and, and blue-collar workers getting back to work now. Um, so there is that argument. I get, can we get your thoughts on the job reports from Friday? And obviously the market doesn't really care you know, whether it's right or wrong uh, today. It's, it's old news. Uh, but what does this tell us for the rest of the week here? Well, look, it tells us that you've still got a tailwind. When most of all, you've got a lot of liquidity, you've got a lot of hedge funds and individual investors alike who are who are frantically chasing the market because of that FOMO thing, fear of missing out. To me, it's going to come down, all else being equal and barring any surprises, it's going to come down to vindicating these better jobs numbers. You know, we're, we're going to see the GDP for the second quarter when that comes out in a month uh, down about 30 to 35 percent. Previously, the fear was we would see a 50% decline. So I don't quibble with the general idea that things are bottoming. What I quibble with are the expectations for how fast the economy is coming back. The markets are one thing, but at some point, even with all this liquidity, there's got to be some vindication of the narrative that everybody is chasing as, as they chase stocks higher. Uh, a lot of these jobs that have come back, uh, are the, was the low-hanging fruit 
uh, a lot of the temporary uh, layoffs and in, in, in service economy, the, the restaurants, this and that. Yeah, some of those are coming back. They're not going to come back anything like what we had before. And what a lot of people are whistling past is that even if we don't have a major new resurgence of cases of this virus that cause renewed shutdowns, who has got most of the discretionary income that's going to move the needle as far as buying and traveling and stuff? It's retirees and people near that age who are most at risk, who have had the daylight scared out of them, right or wrong, that if they step outside their door, uh, they're, they're at risk. It's going to be a long time before they go back to anything like the spending and traveling habits that they had before. So I still tend to believe that we're going to get into the latter part of the year and corporate earnings and the trajectory from here of employment and business activity just is not going to be what the optimists think it is right now. We're, we're going to be damaged for a while. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And But to see some of these rebounds on some of those, you know, travel stocks, the airlines, the the cruises, I mean, and despite, you know, Hertz, you know, filing for bankruptcy, a lot of the travel stocks have done it have rebounded pretty nicely, but I'm with you, Chris. I I don't well, well, see I don't see it in the long run. No, Hertz is a great example. Look at what Chesapeake Energy has done in the last handful of trading days. They're about to file for bankruptcy protection. They used to be a thirty-five billion market cap company. They're not gonna survive. And yet you've got people out there again with more money than brains. And, and hey, if you, if you want to be a day trader and play these swings, God bless you. But you better realize you're playing a game of musical chairs and, and, and you better be quick when the music stops. Yeah, but Chesapeake, it, there was talking about bankruptcy with Chesapeake way before COVID. I mean, even late last year. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that stock was just devastated. Hey, Chris, uh, I really appreciate your time. It's good to uh, kick off the week with your conversation and your discussion. So uh, have a great rest of the week, and we'll talk to you again here in the future. Okay, my friend. You have a good week also.